All right, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Um, today's uh, topic is going to be a little different than what I think we're used to. Um, I, have been, uh, I have been asked to talk to the youth and ask them why it is that they leave the church. And I've come up with a lot of different reasons that I thought I would share with you and just kind of bounce off of you. Um, one of the situations that we're having here in America is we have a lot of 20-somethings who just kind of stop coming to church. And right after college, it starts in undergrad, of course, but in, and, and you all know these people are. You grew up with a lot of these people. They're our age, my age, your age. Um, and we have this slow exodus of youth. In their 20s, they just graduate college, they kind of stop coming, they get married, they really stop coming, and then it just kind of slowly trickles away. And um, we started thinking about the situation. Why is this happening, and what can we do about it? And in talking with lots of youth, lots of people who have left, lots of adults who have left, lots of adults who left and came back, um, I've compiled a very long list of items that I wanted to share with you because I think it's important that we be aware of what exactly is happening uh, in the church. And if you, if you think about it, the, when you put them all together, if I had to pick one word, one answer, one sentence for why the youth are leaving, simply put, they don't feel or see Christ in the church. And if I had to boil it all down, that's it. They feel disconnected to Christ they don't feel him. Um, and then they feel disconnected to him manifest, which is whom us, right? Aren't we the body of Christ? And so as a community, we're members of the body of Christ. And so being a member in the body of Christ means I'm a member of the community. I'm a member of each other. <clears throat> so when I see, when I don't see Christ, I don't see him neither on the altar, in my life, or in us. As a group, there isn't that love. And so we know that they have to connect, the youth have to connect to God in their own words, with their own culture, the way they think, the way they approach things. We can't make them connect to God the way we connected to God. We can't make them connect to God in a different approach, maybe one that's 50 years old, one that comes from a different culture, one that comes from a different country. But rather, they have to connect to Christ the way that they, they, they can truly do it on an individual and personal level. And so what we're hoping to do is, is give this, this tone of what it is that's going on, and I just kind of want to point some of these things out to you. Um, we have to listen to the youth, and we have to allow them room for expression, to invest, to be owners of the church the youth have usually made up their mind to leave church in junior high, it turns out. That's when most kids decide, I'm done with this. They don't do anything about it because they can't, because you force them to come. We all force them to come. But right around junior high, high schools, when most people think, you know, when I'm, when I'm older, I'm done with this. And then they just wait, wait it out, right? They just come, they just want to kind of shut you up, and they just wait it out until it's over, until they can leave. And so what we keep seeing is that the youth feel disconnected, disempowered, and disillusioned. 
And when they get to college, they no longer feel God. And so what we do in the church, unfortunately, and what I've seen a lot of, is we tell people that what they're doing is wrong. And we make them feel shame. And that seems to be the approach that many of us prefer, including myself. Shame is the approach of, you know, what you're doing is wrong. How could you do such a thing? God died for you. You know, after all we've done for you, after all the church has done for you. And this approach just isn't Christian. Christ never did anything like this. And so we are on this hunt to this very strong desire to prevent our youth from sinning. We want them to be pure. We want them to be good. We want them to be holy. We want them to go to medical school and not get into drugs and not date the wrong people and not get tattoos and all the bad things out there that we want to prevent. And so we're on such um, a rampant desire to prevent sin that what we've done in the process is we've given most of the youth hopelessness. Guys, we've given most of the youth hopelessness. And so when you talk to most of the youth, they feel like they have no part in the church because they'll tell you right off the bat, I'm a bad person. I'm, I'm not good like everybody else. Because we, you know, we have this 90-10 rule. 90% of our sermons are don't, 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 don't. Okay? We're very focused on prevention. The problem is, what happens when you do? What happens when you mess up? What happens when you fall? And that's what our youth are doing in droves. Right? Only 10% of the sermons were on hope, on repentance, on love, on forgiveness, on God's mercy. And because we've given so many sermons on don't, 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 as soon as you do, yeah, this place isn't for me. I've heard enough lessons. I know what Abuna thinks. I know what the servants think. I know what the people think. And so what we find is the youth are just, I'll never be good. I'll never be hopeful. And so our job is not to teach, not to just prevent them from sinning, but our job is to teach them and learn from it. Just today I heard about a, a priest who is, who's giving a podcast and the priest in the podcast talk, talks about his own struggles as a youth. And the person telling me was, was and it's, it was a serious struggle, and the priest is very open about therapy and all the things he went through. And then the, priest, the, the person telling me was like, could a priest in our church ever say such a thing? Talk about their past and their sin and all the things? No because we put on this aura of perfection. We have to fake that we're all really good people and we don't have broken families and we aren't messed up and we don't do things you know, that we're ashamed of. And in fact, we all do. And so what we have here is the church focusing on outward righteousness, people focusing on outward righteousness. And then the youth just don't feel like they have a place for repentance. And we know that the angels rejoice when one sinner repents. This is what Jesus said, all the heavens rejoice. So that should be the focus, how the heavens rejoice when one sinner repents. And so in this environment, do youth want to talk? Are youth ready to talk to the adults and tell them about their messed upness, what they've done, what they think, how they feel? Are they going to approach any of us? Would you? We didn't when we were young. We were scared to talk to the adults because they would judge us. And we're hoping 
by God's grace, that we can reverse this trend, that as a body of Christ, as a group of believers, we can be the people that the youth talk to. Right? It would be wonderful if each one of you had one youth in here that would just come to you and you talk to them and you ask them about their week and what happened and you really care. And you know, believe me, and we all can remember this growing up, there's always that one uncle or tante in the church, right, that, that actually loved us, right, that really wanted to see us and really wanted to hear about our week. And they gave you a hug and a look and you're like, that guy really loves me, right? Now, there could be a million other people who are fake. That's okay. That's just normal, right? I can ignore them as long as there's one person at the church who's going to really hug me and really see me. And that's what I'm here for. That's touching Christ, right? Because we're the body of Christ, right? So when, when I say people have, have to come to the church and see Christ, they have to see me. They have to see Christ in me. I have to reflect that love of God, right? So I'll, I'll just read you this list of things that youth have said, some adults have said. I'm not saying they're right, but I'm saying this is their perception, and perceptions are important because this is what they think is happening. Now, maybe they're misinformed. Maybe they're wrong. Maybe a little education will go a long way. I don't know what the solution is. We haven't gotten there yet. But I want to list out some of these things and just kind of, I have 30 of them. And so I'm just going to skip a few. Thanks, Sherry, for laughing. Uh, I'm going to skip a few of them um, just so I, I don't get excommunicated right off the bat. But I want to just walk through them with you. The first, church is treated as a system of religious practices and not a relationship with Christ. The church is treated as a system of, of religious practices. Right? And as we all know, we don't have a relationship with religious practices or a relationship with the church. We have a relationship with God, with Christ, through the church, through the religious practices. They are not the focus. The parents, unfortunately, for all of us, are driving the kids away for a variety of reasons, many of which I'll talk about soon. The church life is not in sync with secular life. So things like Christmas season, Easter season, there's just a, a disconnect, right? I, I hear Christmas songs all throughout the Christmas season, and I come to church, and it's very different than what I've heard. My association with Christmas is these songs, Joy to the World, Noel, whatever, Silent Night, and then I come, and there's a different kind of association. Next one, judgmental experiences at church. The message of the gospel is used to shame and make people feel bad. Don't tell us how bad we are. I'll give you a story, an example from when I was growing up. You guys know the story of M. Bepshoi? So St. Bepshoi, his icon is back there in the corner. He's washing the feet of Christ, and if you look right above his head, there's a little rope that comes down. And the reason there's a rope there, because in his cell, and if you go to Dear M. Bepshoi, uh, the, the his cell, you'll find that, that the little hook is still there. He used to tie his hair at night, and uh, so he wouldn't fall asleep when he prayed and that he could stay awake longer. You know, in your head bob, boom, it'd pull your hair and it would wake you up. And I'll tell you how I, was, I heard that story. I heard that story. Shoof. See how good Mbeb Shoy is? See how long he prayed? How long do you pray? He prayed all night. You pray two minutes and you're tired. Look how much better he is than you. How dare you be horrible? That's pretty much what I got out of my Sunday school lesson was how much better Mbeb Shoy is. And I would just look at Mbeb Shoy and go, bro, I don't know how you did it, but I'm not like that. So that's, that's just me. 
I'm starting on the beard. <clears throat> but then, when you, you delve into the life of Mbep Shoy, right, you realize that he had a love affair with Christ. And, and the only way I can, I, can, I can relate it to all of us is, you know, when you have a friend that comes in from out of town, you haven't seen for 15 years, and you stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning and just want to talk all night. And you, and you both want, are going to sleep, but you want to keep talking because you missed your friend so much. There it is. That's what he was doing. Every once in a while, he'd tie his hair and say, I don't want to stop talking. I want to be up all night with you. I, I, I don't want to go to sleep, right? And we'll, we'll, you know, nowadays the kids do Red Bull, but you know, back then he didn't have Red Bull, so he just tied his hair, to a be- you know, his beard to a, to a rope. That's the, that's the relationship with Christ. But that's not what I got. What did I get in Sunday school? I got something very different. I got guilt and shame and why it is that he's better than me and I'm, you know, I should be ashamed of myself for only praying for two minutes and then wanting to go to sleep. Another thing that's, um, that's on the list, disillusionment from women, the treatment of women in the home. This is something that's, you know, Abuna today joked around at the sermon. Phone? That's not here. Um, Abuna joked today at the sermon and said, uh, that maybe that's why the kids aren't getting married. But he's, he's actually talking about a legitimate point. Kids aren't getting married. The youth are getting older and older and not getting married. And one of the reasons that we see is there's a disillusionment, right? The girls, they saw the way their moms were treated at home, and they didn't like it. And so then when the church reads Ephesians to them and says, submit to your husbands, they immediately replay all the stuff their dad did to their mom. And that's the word submit. And they think to themselves, oh, no, I'm not doing that. Never. Right? As soon as the guy does any kind of, hey, I'm the man, oh, we're done. I'm done. Because I saw what my mom went through, and I'm not going through that. Right? Once again, some of these things, and I say this to the youth all the time, some of the things that the boys saw in their homes, some of the way their dads treated their moms, it's not Christian. It's Arab. It's Islamic in nature. The male dominance in the home, you know, food is ready when I come home, and my word stands, this is all not Christian. This is Arab. We've inherited it. Our kids look at it, and they say, no, thank you. Now, the reason it works in Egypt is because you go and you see this treatment in the home, in the church, and then you go outside the church and outside the home into the society, and everyone's doing the same thing. Women are treated like garbage there too, right? In the, at work and at school all the time, right? So it's normal, right? So you don't really, it doesn't click. It doesn't, you don't think this is really weird. But now you come to America, right? And, and the woman is the CEO of her company, right? She's far more educated. Than, and, and now you're going to treat her poorly. It just doesn't jive, right? It doesn't make sense. And the contrast is too big. And the youth are like, so I'm going to come to the church and at my house and I'm going to get subjugated, whereas in society, it's, it's at some level, it's a woman's world. Next thing. These are all big, but I'll just, you know. Relationships and family stress push people away after marriage. Youth need mentoring and relatable examples of Christ in their lives. One, ones who come to them 
real people and real servants, especially among the laity, must show them Christ in church if youth are not seeing it at home or in the congregation. One of the things that I think is happening in the church is we have this obsession with um, only the priest should be the one serving. Only the priest should be reaching out. Only the priest should talk to that person. And now you, you know the priest gets 700 texts a day and they're just inundated. And we have this sort of paralysis, right? Where we basically, Abun will take care of it. I'm not qualified. Well, you know what? You're a Christian, aren't you? Right? Ask Abuna. Get some guidance. Ask for his prayers. Say, how do you think I should handle it? And then try. Help. Right? Be the body of Christ for each other. Church needs to confront sexual questions and make them less taboo. That's a big one. The talk, talking about same-sex attraction, homosexuality, transgender, all the things, pornography, whatever it may be, we have to talk about these things. They can't be as taboo nearly as much as they are. Just talk about them. Make them open, right? Because they're hearing about it all the time. And what we do by not speaking is teach them that it is not to be spoken about, right? That you should not bring up that subject with me because I don't bring that subject up with you. Correct? So the next time you get a girlfriend, boyfriend, or whatever, some person you like, or someone who likes you, you know what to do, right? I didn't talk about it. You don't talk about it. I didn't talk to you. You don't talk to me. That's what we taught them by not talking about it. Church is homophobic. Most kids are being taught and raised unchristianly. Now, again, we have to separate the issue from the treatment. What are what our position is on homosexuality is one thing. The way we talk about people who are homosexual is very different. Unfortunately, many, 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 many youth leave the church just because of the words of their parents and the rhetoric that they hear and the hatred that's spewed out. And whether it be against uh, uh, gay people, against black people, against all the, the things that we inherited from Egypt, all the different stereotypes that have come, the racism and the bigotry and all these things, the, the kids hear it and it shocks them. During the BLM protests, I don't know if you guys were aware, there were major divisions in people's homes. The kids lost it because of what happened and the parents' reaction to what happened when an innocent man was killed by a police officer and the words, the insensitive words that came out of the mouths of some of the parents about this incident because of the race of that person. And you can imagine how the youth reacted. Not well. And they just looked at their parents like, you call yourself a Christian? And words like that are going to come out of your mouth about another human being? Right? So those are the kinds of cultural aspects that have infiltrated our church. Church is, often too, is too often seen as a means to an end rather than Christ's body. Church is where we find a spouse, we play basketball, we make friends, we go to activities. But where's Christ? And a lot of times, that's what church gets relegated to. It's a place for activities. And people say, we need more activities, activities, activities. Do we? Do we need basketball? Do we need all the activities here at church? You know, there's basketball outside of church. There's scouts outside of church. There's all kinds of things outside of church. Is that what the kids really need? Basketball? No. 
They need a mentor. They need someone who loves them. They need someone who's going to reflect Christ to them. It could be a basketball coach, sure, but if he isn't reflecting the light of Christ, then I don't know what we're doing anymore because this place is not a place for activities. This is a place where we come to find God. Right? And if we want to try to get, to get to the kids through activities and we want to reach God, to, reach, um, give God to them in activities, that's great. That's the language they speak. It can be coloring. It could be crafts. It could be sports. It could be whatever. But once the sports become the end, then the place is very shallow and superficial. Right? And it's just there to play games and do stuff. And then eventually, and some of you know how this works, right? You get in your 20s and you're like, okay, I'm done playing games. I don't need to come to church to play basketball anymore because I'm too old to play basketball. So really, there's no, pur- there's no purpose because right? I haven't connected the kids with Christ. I'll tell you a story. I won't tell you what state I was in, but I was living in another state. I've been living in another, a lot of states, so you guys, you know, it's hard to guess. No, nice guess, though, Nagy. Way to ruin things as I try to keep confidentiality, lawyer. Um, so... So I didn't. I didn't ask for guesses, no. Um, what were we talking about? So I was in another state, and Abuna came up to me, and he says, I really want you to focus on the undergrads. Right? I want to focus all your service on the undergrads. And I noticed there's a lot of graduates at the church. And I said to Abuna, what about the, grads, the graduates? He goes, they're lost. Don't waste your time. But it gets better. I said, why, Abuna? He said, well, I'll tell you what happened. He said, I was the servant. I did this. Because 15 years ago, we all made a pact with all all the parents and all the servants. We said to each other, we want these kids to be friends. We want these kids to bond. We want these kids to love each other. Like, okay. He said, so we did that. And we were very, very successful. All the kids bonded, all the kids are friends, and all the kids are very close. They're very close. They go to the club together, they go to strip clubs together, they get drunk together, they do drugs together. And he just looks at me and goes, see, we succeeded. We succeeded. The kids are very close. See the point? So what he's telling me is we brought them to each other, we just didn't bring them to God. We connected them to one another, and now they all go to the club together, which they do, by the way. They all go clubbing, and they all do all kinds of stuff. I won't tell you what state that's in. Nagy. Have I depressed this enough? I'm only like a third way through the list. I should just stop? Okay. Mesh, anybody have any questions or comments? Something, Archie? Yes, Fadal. Um, so I have so many more things here. Oh. Kathy, I have so many more things. Okay. Okay, highlight <laughs> Move on. Yes, George. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah, and you felt, when you went to church, you felt guilty that he was doing that. Well, that's not a bad thing because, first of all, you were in church. Second, if you were considered yourself in the gym and there was a guy next to you who's lifting all this weight and he looks really great and you felt guilty, that means you want it to be like that. You want to be like him. So it's not necessarily a bad thing that we look at each other spiritually or physically and we want to imitate. It's a good thing. Uh, and so it's not necessarily considered something bad 
that you look at somebody that's very holy and want to be like that. It shouldn't necessarily make you feel guilty in a way that's negative. It's like, well, yeah, yeah, maybe, no, maybe I, I, I see can, what you're maybe, saying. Maybe I, I can I, get there. I, I think you're, you missed my point. So I'm not saying we shouldn't have saints who are, who are role models. And I'm not saying we shouldn't tell the story. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying um, the way the story was told wasn't depicting the truth of what happened. All right? The truth of what happened is this person has a loving relationship with God. That's what happened. The way the story was told is you have to imitate his actions if you want to be good. And if you don't, you know, you're a bad person. That's shame. And that's unnecessary. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. She said, our church focuses on martyrs and saints at the very top. Yeah. Like in Sunday school, like they like kill the kids with all the stories. So you've got the, like, the top people for, for little kids that they are just starting in their spiritual life. It's yeah. like a, a little kid just start to learn basketball and you're comparing his, uh, the way he play basketball with like Kobe, for an example. So it's not like how they got there or how they start like small till they get to that point. It's just they get to the point where it's no way I'm going to get to that point. I'm not going to be there. So I will give up from the beginning. Yeah, I I think there's I I agree that that happens a lot. I would say there's a couple of different things to think about. Um, and, And the importance is, again, I don't think we're disagreeing, I mean, we're not disagreeing at all, actually, but I think that the key isn't we should stop these things, but it's how it should be done, right? And so I can give you an aspect of a story, like, like the way, uh, the, way the, uh, 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 the saints should be incorporated into the church is people should absorb their lives the, the stories, digest them, and then it should sprinkle their talk, right? So I don't know that I need to say, okay, today we're going to learn about Saint X. Saint X was born here, and then he did this, 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 right? But rather, I should know all the things he did, and as I'm talking about something, I should make a point and say, you know what, what this saint used to do, right? And of course, we can't do something like that. That's a very high level, but look at how much he loved Jesus, and then we tell them, you know how you have a friend and you want to talk forever, and even though the teacher's telling you to stop talking, you want to talk? That's what St. Beshoi did with Jesus. See the difference, right? And so even though you can have a... And, and, then you, and then you end it with, of course, that's a very high level, but it just goes to show you how much somebody could love, right? So the way this story is told is as important, right, than just putting up a bunch of ideals that the kids really at some point can't relate to. Like you said, I agree. Abuna, the, if I have another question. Sure. When you, when you mention BLM mm. and what the parents are doing to the kids, making them leave the house or divide or feel closer to what they watch on TV and the indoctrinations they see in school and they hear, well, that's 
there's, there's a different perspective here. What they're teaching, I don't have any kids, but when they're teaching them at school, okay, is so they can go home and have a problem with their family. They don't want, it seems to me, like they want to go against what the families want these kids to behave like or to think like. Okay, so, so they, I'll, I'll, I'll stop you there um, it, so that no one else hurts you on the way out. Um, no, I, I'm not worried about anything, but I just want to say the point is without, without getting any deeper, is that there's different generations and parents, I, in my point of view, I'm not a parent, but should educate the kid that it's not about this man's color, it's about obeying the, the commandments or the commands of the police. When you get stopped, respect the law. If they tell you get out of the car, get out of the car, and it's not about the color. And that, as a, as a parent, I'm not, but that, this is what I would focus on because in school, this is, this is completely different. So when you, go get, when you learn at school and you go home, you might something feel like he, he yeah, hear yeah. something no, different. No, no, I, I hear you, I hear you. Um, the, the first thing I'll say, and I, and I think, I'm glad you, you asked that question, is, um, and forgive me, I'm gonna use you as an example. Um, what you did there was you demonized the schools, right? You, you demonized America. You use the word them. They are trying to get us. They are teaching us, our kids, to go against us. We need to fight them. Right? Now, as soon as we start using words like that, we're no longer acting like Jesus or thinking like him in any way. Right? Because what Jesus did was he is a them, actually, and then he came and he became us so that there is no difference, right? So the approach of taking groups of people and saying, well, they're just trying, they are trying to get our kids. Just a sentence like that. What it, it's, what's embedded in there is a lot of this kind of rhetoric, right? And then what it does is it allows me to hate groups of people, right? So we can say, oh, you know, the... the the, you know, the, the people who are you know, LGBTQ, they are trying to indoctrinate our kids, okay? Well, whatever, I mean, there, there, there may be some truth to stuff that's being taught in the curriculum and, and clearly, right? But I have to now think about what that means when I encounter someone who's gay, right? Is he still a they? Is he still one of them, right? Or should I encounter him as a human being? And what happens if that gay person is one of our kids? and in our church, and struggling, and forgive me, wants to hurt himself because he can't handle the way he is. Now what do I do? Right? So um, I think we have to be a little bit careful when we, when we use rhetoric like that, because I don't think the point of the school is to try to turn the kids against their parents. You know, I mean, we have teachers here. Do you guys turn and try to? No, they don't. So that's two teachers we know who don't do that. Um. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. No, no, no. And, and I think that's, that's, that's an important lesson. Yeah, yeah. But... <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't want to argue about that, but that, that, this has nothing to do with that, right? 
I mean, yeah. you can say at a traffic stop, do the thing, right? But that doesn't mean the policeman puts his, his knee on my neck, right? So that's, a, that's the reason BLM happened is because of that, not because he didn't, you know. Anyway, I, yeah, Kathy. Okay. Um, first, I just want to say thank you for doing this and bringing this to our attention. I almost feel like this needs to be like a series, honestly, because it's so much to talk about and so deep and so... Uh, important for us right now in this church and this generation that we're dealing with. So thank you for bringing this up. Um, I also think that um, I, I want to know, like, because I know the time is limited, but for today's purposes, like, what are some concrete things we can do as a church to keep our children here for Christ and nothing else? Um, everything else just, you know, uh, is extra. And uh, how do you think, like, in big picture, these issues can be addressed? Do you think it's just like lectures? Do you think it's workshops? Do you think it needs to be messages from Metropolitan? Like, I'm, in your opinion, how do you think these issues can be addressed? So um, the, I'll, I'll start with the second is there's a slew. I mean, that's the next part of this. Um, and lots of different things are, are, are I'm thinking about. Uh, as far as the first part of it, what can I do today is uh, all I'm trying to do is raise awareness. Right? I'm just trying to state something that I think some of us have thought, and I'm just trying to state it clearly. And I think once I hear it clearly, I can maybe recognize it in myself. Right? And, and once, once, I think that's it. If, I can, if we can just raise awareness that some of the things that are happening that we just kind of go along with and say, oh yeah, that, no, that's the way the church is, um, because we've done it like this, so therefore that's the way it is, we have to be a little careful because that exact same thing is driving kids away in droves, right? And then all we do is we say, see how bad the kids are? See how bad the youth are? They're leaving, you know? And then we continue the same thing. Well, they leave and then we blame them and say, see how bad the kids are? They don't even care about God. They're bad. And then here we are judging and demonizing and doing all the things we do. And I think awareness is, is the key. Okay, uh, anybody else have any questions? Kids are here, so I think we'll just end now. All right, glory be to God forever, amen. Huh? I have, I have, uh, I have enough to, it's gonna be, yeah. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll uh, put on Netflix and you guys can <laughs> binge it. Let's stand up and pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit.